Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What are you wanting to throw out there with Robert and Baez? They are the two most exciting players in town. What we're looking for, I think, is a way to quantify the oh, wow moments. Robert in the air. Left field. Gordon back at the track. This ball is sliced to right center. Robert lays out. Oh, no, he didn't. Outrageous 88. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. <laughs> oh, man. Sean Anderson, our producer, is Luis Robert crazy. And understandably so. But, Sean, did you not get the memo that we hear at 670 to score? We are the Cubs' flagship. What is this WSOX business? What is this? We will talk both, as we always talk both, in a two-team town, a two-first-place team town. Good morning, baseball people. It is Sunday morning, and that means it's hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, here with you. And the best baseball season we've had for uh, fans of both sides of town since 2008. It's the best that August has been for fans of both sides of town since 2008. That Cubs magic in 2016 was pretty damn fun. Ironically, the White Sox are 10 games over 500 right now for the first time since May of 2016. Those were heady times, May of 2016. Ah, I remember it well. I was working with Jason Goff 9 to 1 Monday through Friday. And we were all agog over the Cubs, who were, as Theo Epstein said then, up in a tree, playing as well as they did. What were they, 25 and 6? Was that the start? Something like that. 26 and 8? Something like that. I always forget the exact number. But it just an unbelievable moment. And the White Sox were good, too. And then they went for it at the deadline, traded James Shields, traded for James Shields, and proceeded to fall apart and finish in fourth place. And then they changed lanes. And because of that lane change and the three bad years that you, the Sox fan, endured, you get to reap the benefits of right now. 
Can't go to the ballpark, but you can watch that team. Good morning, everybody. 312-644-6767 is both the number that you call and the number that you text to get in touch with me and talk some baseball on a Sunday morning when it's raining. Maybe you had outside projects. Now you've got inside projects. Maybe you're in the garage. Um, A friend told me yesterday that um, I'm an excellent soundtrack for cleaning out the car in the garage. I'll take it. I will take it. It's what, um, it's what the radio can do. One of the things it can do is help your life go by faster as you take part in some things that perhaps you don't really want to do. Going to have some guests on the show today I'm looking forward to. Tom Fornelli is an old friend. He used to be not Hawk. Now he's Right Sox, the former host of the um, White Sox Business Podcast over there on The Athletic as well. And you uh, get him on the Twitters at Right Sox, W-R-I-T-E, and at Tom Fornelli. We'll talk White Sox with him at 10 o'clock. Joe Roderick from St. Louis Sports Radio will join us at 1040. Get the Cardinals' perspective on this crazy five games in four days series. As the Cardinals have, I believe, six more doubleheaders? Would you check that for me, Sean? I thought they had five, but then I was wrong. They had seven remaining in September. And now they swept yesterday. So I believe they have six more doubleheaders. They have one Tuesday. They have one Thursday. Somehow that team has the second best ERA of any pitching staff in the National League. Six more doubleheaders. Six more doubleheaders. Yeah, and the Cubs in 2016 started off 27 and 8. 27 and 8. See, I was right in between. What did I say? 25 and 6, 28 and whatever. 27 and 8. That's what you need to remember. You know what number I'll never forget, and I'll try to never forget that one for some reason, is the Detroit Tigers in 1984. 35 and 5 on their way to a coast to coast. But here we are. Here we are with the Cubs now. Yesterday was so ugly, and you knew it was going to be ugly. They were behind the eight ball on paper and then blasted into the corner pocket on the field. They're still two and a half games up. They have nine games in hand. John Lester today, Kyle Hendricks tomorrow. you got to win them both if you want to maintain what has been a surprisingly comfortable cushion right there in the National League Central. It doesn't really feel like it makes sense, does it? That they're still in first place by two and a half games. They started out 13-3. They are 10-14 and 14 since then. They have a worse run differential than the Cardinals now, plus 13. Cardinals are plus 22. Cubs playoff chances still at 96.2%. They're getting in. The Dodgers have 100% playoff um, odds, and the Rays have 100% playoff odds. I, I don't. Does that mean they've officially clinched? I haven't heard any of that conversation. It's very weird in an eight-team uh, playoff field in each league, so it's awfully early to be looking at it. But hey, 30 and 11 will get that done. But the Cubs here still do have a surprisingly comfortable cushion. It can go away fast if the Cardinals keep doing what they're doing. Now, a game over 500, the second team in the division to be over 500, Cubs six games over 500, and as I mentioned, nine games in hand. Adbert Alzale, this is your time. This is your moment. Yesterday was it, and you failed. Behind the eight ball were the Cubs because they had Alzali for one game and then a bullpen game for the other. And Alzali turned the first game 
into a bullpen game. Two and two-thirds innings is all he could give you. Through 78 pitches. He, um, he threw 99, uh, excuse me, 70 pitches in his first start of the year, August 19th, against the Cardinals right here. Went five innings, pitched very well. Three starts this year and four starts last year. He's never gone more than the five. He went. This is the first homegrown pitching prospect that you're hoping is going to show dividends in the starting rotation for Theo Epstein here in the ninth year of Theo and Jed's time. This is Adbert Alzali's moment. Chatwood is hurt. Quintana is hurt. Who knows when they come back? The fifth spot is wide open for Colin Ray yesterday. Jarrell Cotton was released yesterday. Those were the names that we heard. Tyson Miller pitched yesterday. He was activated between games. But Adbert, there's nobody else, man. You're going to get another shot. You will get another shot, and probably another shot after that, and probably another shot after that. Depending on how those go, I don't know what the offseason is going to look like for you, sir. This is, uh, this is a time for you to do it. The offseason will probably find Adbert Azale on the outside looking in if he can't prove something to you over his last three starts, because that's probably all he has left in this crazy, weird season. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Um, before we get to Luis Robert and the Red Hot White Sox, how about Steven Souza DFA'd between games? Have you ever seen that before? you ever seen somebody cut between games of a doubleheader? I'm sure it's happened before. I know guys have been traded between games of a doubleheader. But just flat out cutting somebody who started the first game. He started the first game. The highlight of Steven Souza's um, Cubs year, there was, a, there was a big offensive moment for Souza where he had a big RBI double after not playing at all last year. That was early on and will probably be the offensive highlight that he remembers. But we might remember him yesterday during the game using Jason Kipnis like a pair of thunder sticks uh, in the dugout there. Kipnis jumped up and put his belly on the edge, as he has been doing. This time, Sousa went over and slapped his legs together in rhythm like a, like a Ludwig slapstick. For all you percussionists out there, they call it a whip or a slapstick. Ludwig does make them. I've seen my guy, Kalyan Patak, in Trivitasaurus, use it before. But it's an orchestral instrument, the slapstick. That's what Jason Kipnis was as used by Steven Souza. But then he gets DFA, designated for assignment. So the Cubs have seven days with which to either cut him or release him. Why was he starting game one? If Did you know you were going to do this? Because Tyson Miller was already there. This is a very curious thing. Tyson Miller was already there. And he had to be activated for the second game if you wanted to use him. And I guess after Azulay goes so short, you know, all right, we need Tyson Miller. Who are we going to, what are we going to do? And they DFA'd Steven Souza. I don't think they knew they were going to do that. Here's how they decided to do that. Bases loaded nobody out for Souza yesterday against Adam Wainwright. Three-pitch strikeout. Swings through a curve for strike two. Caught looking on a fastball that had plenty of the strike zone for strike three. Bottom of the fourth, second at bat. Man on third, it's Schwarber. Two out. Another three-pitch strikeout for Steven Souza. A check swing on a curve 
for strike three. Brutal. Turns around, looks at the ump, as if to ask, "What was that? A was that a strike? Who cares? You you swung more than a check. Maybe he was asking, did I definitely go more than halfway? Who cares? You just struck out and looked awful. Two at bats in a row. Two at bats of consequence in a season with first place feeling like it could be slipping away." Third time up, didn't exist. Pinch hit four by Victor Caratini in the seventh. And good night, everybody. I think they were watching that game. They saw Souza, who already had a precarious hold on the roster spot. Now with Cameron Mabin here, with Jose Martinez here. Martinez has not looked good either, by the way. But Steven Souza, bye-bye. Gone. Between games. Woof. That's rough, man. (laughs) That is some rough, rough treatment. For Steven Souza. Cubs still up two and a half with two games to play. Need Lester today, need Hendricks tomorrow. And now let's get to the guy who I mentioned there in that moment that Sean grabbed in the open there. That is a moment on the McNeil and Parkins show when I was in for Parkins. And the afternoon show, afternoon show, we the, the Mac show's always done Cubs and Sox bets for years and years and years. They're different stations, different iterations. I've been part of several of them at different times, yada, yada. But that was my suggestion, was the wow plays. Not a lot of wow plays for Javier Baez. There's been some great homers. Um, there was an incredible throw from deep, deep in the hole when he was like, what, a good 10, 12 steps in the outfield and still made a throw to first to get somebody on a ground ball. But Luis Robert has given you seven, eight wow plays, walk-off homers. Then the last three nights, and yes, I say the last three, three nights ago, that homer to the top of the staircase against Kansas City, StatCast says 458 on that one. It was longer. I thought it was longer than that. Yes, I'm doubting StatCast. It won't be the last time I do it in this segment. It was an absolute bomb. And he barely even got full power on it. He didn't really get full power on it. We've yet to see him really take out the driver like we see Baez do all the time, like you see Jorge Soler do all the time, like you see a lot of guys do. Just give it the full-on, most powerful swing they can possibly do. Yeah, that's the Luis Robert bat crack. But we haven't seen him really do what the modern ball player so often does, which is swing as hard as I can. He doesn't do that. He doesn't need to. He's just got ridiculous power. How hard could he hit it if he actually broke out the driver? So that was three nights ago. Two nights ago, he scored from first on an Eloy Jimenez double. I've been looking for an isolated uh, shot of that because I love to watch tremendous skills on display. But here's what I can tell you if you didn't watch every available angle possible. He's coasting between first and second because he's not sure it's going to be caught out there. And then it drops on the warning track and he turns on the Jets and they didn't bother to make a throw because why would you? He's Luis Robert and he would have been safe by, I don't know, 50 feet. I like watching fast guys run. He turned the corner at third beautifully. He glides like a sprinter. The more I look at the athleticism of the dude, the more he reminds me of an NFL player. I know Jason Benetti has said Terrell Owens or Terrell Owens. I've said Herschel Walker. How about a sprinter? Maybe Michael Johnson in the 1996 Olympics. That's the kind of body type and the kind of glide that Luis Robert has as he sprints. And then the catch last night, which I assume you have seen by now. If you haven't, watch it and watch extended uh, looks at it with multiple angles. 
because I don't know how many people in baseball make that catch. StatCast, I disagree with you again. They said 15% catch probability. Fun stat that they're using now. They take all the different batted balls that have been hit in that spot and they measure the catch probability. Does that take into account that Robert was in left center, that he was shading towards left center to lead off the ninth? I don't know if it takes that into account. Maybe it does. Either way, I argue with you, StatCast. No way that's 15%. That's too high. He's in left center. He ran 86 feet. He got a perfect jump. Moment of contact, he takes off. Watch the route to the ball. It's a perfect line to the ball on a full sprint. Then it is a full dive in direct line with the the, the route that he had been taking. It's a full reach out, full extension, and a one-handed catch in the webbing of the glove. Outrageous. Technically, it is what StatCast calls a five-star play, and it is the first of his career. It will not be the last. I don't think Mike Trout makes that play. I don't think he's fast enough to run that 86 feet. His routes are really good, but I don't think he's fast enough. Kevin Pillar make that play? Maybe. Kevin Kiermeyer make that play? Maybe. Byron Buxton make that play? Probably. <laughs> I love that dude. Love watching that dude play. But Robert is, uh, is outrageous and is very special. And that was a, a wow moment. There's three nights in a row by my count. Three different aspects of the game. And that guy is uh, going to win Rookie of the Year. All due respect to Kyle Lewis out there in Seattle, who is a tremendous story and a tremendous ball player. But you've got the narrative angle as well, the narrative angle as well of Luis Robert and the red-hot White Sox as a breakout team in the big market. Luis will be your Rookie of the Year. It'll be an upset if he's not. And meanwhile, the White Sox, 15-4 and in their last 19 games. Here is your complete list of teams with a better winning percentage than the Chicago White Sox. Los Angeles Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland A's. Good night, everybody. That's it. That's all. That's all. Uh, a Genesis song, not pronounced Henesis. Not pronounced Henesis, like Henesis Cabrera, the uh, the Cardinals reliever. Every time I see Genesis Cabrera, and I know it's Henesis Cabrera, but I want to call him Genesis so I can start throwing out Genesis songs as the... Uh, yeah, as, as the puns that I want to make. But no, he's Henesis, not Genesis. I can't play Abacab anymore. I can't say that's all and hope everybody gets it. Not allowed anymore. Lucas Giolito was brilliant for six innings, struck out five of seven at one point before uh, getting knocked out. Hung a couple of sliders, but struck out nine total. And that changeup looked great again with James McCann behind the plate. We've got a lot to talk about today. A lot of sock stuff and a lot of Cubs stuff. You worried about the Cubs? It, uh, it feels like smoke and mirrors with which they continue to hold first place in the National League Central. It really does. Two and a half games up. How is that even possible with the way that they have looked? With the way that the stars are hitting, how is it possible that you are in first place? When Chris Bryant's batting 173, Javi Baez a buck 99. 
How is it possible? Because Ian Happ is a man. Because Ian Happ comes back with one and a half eyes, vision somehow intact, and hits two home runs in the first game yesterday. And that's all you've got. Ian Happ is the best player on that team right now, and it's not close. It's crazy. Jason Hayward having the second best offensive year of anybody on that team. And yet here they are in first place. It really is remarkable. As bad as Kimbrell has been, as unsure and unclear as spots four and five in the rotation have been, as unproductive as the core five of Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras have, have in totality been, they remain in first place. It's remarkable. Phone lines open, text lines open at 312-644-6767. We've got a lot to get to, including some fun sound. 25 years ago, um, the unbreakable was broken. We have uh, an authority weighing in on who should be MVP in the American League, and maybe it's somebody on the White Sox, but it's not who you think. We have an incredibly amiable first baseman talking to you about the guys he likes talking to the most when they get to first base. And a couple of them are local, as a matter of fact. We'll get to that and a lot of other stuff along the way. I need to get to this bromance um, among two incredibly interesting pitchers as well. We've got a lot to talk about, but we're taking your phone call. We're taking your text all morning long on Hit and Run. The most consecutive games played... Now in the dugout, accepting the congratulations of his teammates. And in a moment, the number will be unfurled. Cal sends one high in the air to left center field. Away back. It's gone! <laughs> 25 years ago today, Cal breaks that record. They had the four different banners with numbers, one hanging from each different window on the warehouse across there in right field. Go ahead, crank it. Sean! Let me tell you, I'm, uh, I'm the worst guitar player I know, but I can play that riff. I can play the hell out of that riff. I can do that one. I can do Smoke on the Water. Good night, everybody. That's it. So they had the numbers, one each, hanging from a different window on the warehouse across right field from Camden Yards, and they lowered the one to cover the 2,130, to cover the zero at the end of 2130. And you know when they did that? They did that in the most uh, apropos and yet anticlimactic of moments. I'll always just remember how weird it was to think, okay, this is when we celebrate? This is when we pause the game? After the third out of the fifth inning, when it becomes official. Okay, that's it. It's an odd little anticlimax, and it speaks to the, the weirdness of the accomplishment, the improbable nature of the accomplishment, that it's really just about the mundane. As good as Ripken was, and as clear-cut a Hall of Famer as he was, as often as there were flash plays at shortstop or big homers or big hits or what have you, it was about the mundane. It's a, it's a celebration of merely showing up for 2,131 straight games. He ends up with 2,632. That is the record. 
Later on today, a virtual first pitch before Orioles and Yankees. You'll see it, I think, before every game. It's going to be broadcast around baseball. So if you're watching a game on TV, you'll probably see it. Cal will be throwing the first pitch to his 27-year-old son, Ryan, who was an infielder in the Baltimore system. The Orioles will be wearing a patch, a 21-31 patch on the uniforms. Tonight at, um, at, at 7 Central, MLB Network is going to be playing The Streak 25 years later, a new special featuring an in-depth interview with Ripken with Tom Verducci as he watches memorable moments from 25 years ago. You'll probably be listening to Cubs and Cardinals right here on 670 The Score or watching it over on the Marquee Sports Network. But it's, it's Ripken 25 years ago today. With 21-31. No one had ever come close to Gehrig. That's the thing. Nobody had ever come close. Everett Scott and Steve Garvey were second and third on the list at the time. And if you added them together, they don't even reach the 2,600 that Ripken has. They don't even reach it. The longest streak right now in Major League Baseball... Does anybody know? It's Whit Merrifield of the Kansas City Royals. Real good player. Good for him for showing up every day and playing the game. That streak is 287 games. 287. He's got 2,345 games to go. How long would Whit Merrifield have to play to acquire 2,345 more games? This record will never be broken by Cal Ripken. Do you want to take a guess how many years it would take him? For 2,345? Yeah. You did, you did the math divided by 162? Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously not counting the rest of this year's games. 16. 14.47. So like Fort, m- middle yeah. of the season, he'd break it into his 14th and a half year. Okay. And how old is Whit Merrifield right, right now? 28? 29? 31. <laughs> So all he has to do is play every game until he's 45 and he could break Ripken's record. Good luck, everybody. It's not going to be broken because it's not as valued anymore. It's, it's just not. The game has changed. In the same way that Cy Young's 511 wins will never be broken because the game has changed. So I, I think it's far and away in all of sports the one that's never going to get touched. There are team records that won't get touched. Is anybody ever going to win eight straight NBA championships like the Boston Celtics did? Yeah, I don't think so. The, the one I might, I might entertain is Wayne Gretzky's point total of 2,857. The guy active who's closest to that is Joe Thornton at 1,509 points. He only needs 1,348 more points which is uh, about what number 26 has in total on the list, Brendan Shanahan. But no one's going to touch Ripken. It will never, ever take place. He played with 150 different position player teammates. He played for eight different managers. He played in 25 different ballparks over the course of that streak and faced, guess how many different starting pitchers in 2,632 games? Sean, how many different starting pitchers? Uh, 2,631 or whatever. Different starting pitchers? No, uh, 526 different starting pitchers. Five guys 
Five guys he faced uh, more than 30 times. Clemens more than 30 times. Mark Langston more than 30 times. Some very, very good pitchers he faced a lot. But uh, I do believe that this is the one that will never, ever get touched. 670 is the score. Hit and run is what you're listening to. Is it impressive? Yes, it's impressive. It's outrageously impressive. But it's not valued like it once was. It's just, it's just not. So it's not like anybody's going to be shooting for that. And just relax. Take a day. Whit Merrifield might get the day off today against the White Sox. We'll see when that lineup comes out. Whit, you've been battling too long. You are up next. Hmm. That was my computer telling me up next in my uh, in my fantasy football draft. Damn you, football! Interrupting. Did you hear that? Did you hear you are up next, Sean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm up next. I resent the NFL so much. Who are you going to take? I, I didn't take anybody yet. It's the first pick in, 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 my, in, my, in my draft. First pick in the round. Don't, don't go asking me football questions just because you're interested. It's baseball season, mister. It's baseball season, damn it. Just for that, let's talk MVP in the American League. Do you know who's leading the uh, major leagues in RBIs? Number one in RBIs in all of the major leagues. It is indeed that man, Jose Abreu, at 40. He's got two more RBIs than Mike Trout. He's got three more than Fernando Tatis. Kyle Tucker of the Astros, quietly with 35. Manny Machado living up to the salary and the billing as he and Tatis are both top five and the Padres are incredibly good. Marcelo Zuna's in that top 10. Mookie Betts in that top 10. Charlie Blackman in that top 10. Eloy Jimenez is number 11. Luis Robert is number 16. There is one Cub in the top 50 for runs batted in. And it is Ian Happ with 24 RBIs. He's number 37, tied for 37th in baseball. And there's no other Cub until Kyle Schwarber, who's tied for 55th in baseball with 21 RBIs. I believe in RBIs as a stat. I know it is an opportunity stat. I'm aware of that. But if you watch, if you watch Abreu when men are on base, you see a guy who bears down. You see a guy who pays attention in a different way, a guy who expands where he's going to hit the ball. And it's why his numbers with men in scoring position historically are awfully good. But he's not the one who Steve Stone thinks should win the MVP on these White Sox. Listen to Steve Stone on who he thinks should be the MVP in the American League and therefore on these Chicago White Sox. When Tim Anderson scores, the Sox are really tough to beat. Their record when he scores at least one run, 13 and five. When he doesn't score a run, they're a 500 team. When he scores a run, they score six and three quarter runs a game. When he doesn't, it's under four. So you think it's a big play for him to score? The Sox think it's a big play for him to score. 31 runs for Tim Anderson leads the American League, even though he missed 10 with that groin injury, which he suffered in Kansas City. There's some of that going around. How about scoring more runs than games you've played in? Now, that's pretty impressive. It's truly remarkable what he's done at the top of the lineup as he chases another batting title in the American League. 
Well, you know, the interesting thing is, when I first mentioned about 10 days ago, Tim for MVP, a lot of people have to realize that the most valuable player is not the best player. Best player in the league is Mike Trout. There's no doubt about that. But could the Angels finish last without Mike Trout? Yeah, they could. Could the Sox be vying for the division without Tim Anderson? Probably not. Tim Anderson now 34 runs scored in 30 games played, which is remarkable. He is second in runs scored in the American League behind Mike Trout, 35 runs with 37 games played. Fernando Tatis, 41 runs scored in 41 games played. The next guy in the American League is Jose Ramirez after Tim Anderson at 29 runs scored in 39 games played. Is Tim Anderson the MVP of the American League? Is he the MVP of the White Sox? Keep it to that. Anderson or Abreu? There is abstract um, value in both of them. Anderson as the Energizer Bunny Baby, right there at the top. His energy, his presence, his humor. The team loves him. They absolutely feed off him. For Abreu, the abstract, the abstract stuff is obviously his leadership and what he does to help guys be comfortable and what he teaches them. You got Eloy from Friday night. Eloy on Friday night talking about Abreu was a beautiful thing about how he learns something every single time he watches Abreu come to the plate. What I can say, Abreu is one of the best hitters I ever see. You know, uh, he's a super close hitter. Uh, and every time he's on the play, I, I learn something, you know. Uh, he tried to show us, uh, like, something to learn every every night, every at-bat. So um, it's really good to see him produce those runs for us. He's got eight RBIs in his last four games, does Jose Abreu, after two more last night. But maybe it's Tim Anderson for you. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. And that is the number that uh, these guys have dialed. Mark is in Deerfield. He's first up on Hit and Run. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing great. My son and I have been listening to the show, really enjoying it. I appreciate your deep dives in the, the beautiful game. Thanks, uh, but our question is, and you already started talking about it, and but you didn't give a definitive answer. Who would be your pick if you had to choose between T.A. and Abreu? Let's start with White for White Sox MVP. Who would be yeah. your pick right right now? Um, my, my, my pick would be, uh, would be Abreu, um, but I, I admit that there is – some romanticism there for me because of the full arc of the man's life, the full arc of his White Sox career, the fact that he's been waiting for so long for a team of consequence, for a lineup to be decent around him. And now it's finally here and he's playing the best ball of his life. That's pretty amazing. And I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, considering he played 10 years in Cuba from age 16 to age 25. <clears throat> and the, the incredibly tumultuous, traumatic, terrifying story of how he got from Cuba to the Dominican and then eventually to the USA and how he lived up to that contract, lived up to the length of the contract with the White Sox and then chose to stay and now playing the best ball of his life at this point and taking the pressure off Eloy, taking the pressure off Robert Anderson doesn't need any pressure off him because he's he's just that dude. He's got a level of calm and, and swagger that keeps him very, very comfortable. 
but must be nice to show up as Eloy and Encarnacion and Robert and Moncada, who's got his own issues, obviously, just to be able to show up and know that that guy in the middle of your lineup, hitting three or hitting four, depending on how you want to do it, is going to produce. If given a chance, he will produce. And what a model, what a model he is. So yeah, is there some lifetime achievement in there for me with the Carl Malone factor? Was it Geraldine Page, the actress who won a Best Actress Oscar for Trip to the Bountiful that everybody said was a lifetime achievement award? Yeah, Jose Abreu is my Geraldine Page. (laughs) 670, the score is what you're listening to. Let's take another call. This is Joe in Tinley Park who is on hit and run this morning. What's up, Joe? Good morning. Hey, man. You can call me Joe or you can call me Debbie Downer at the end of this call because I have concerns about this House of Cards White Sox team. I don't know when it's going to come falling down. The pitching staff, first of all, we need to reflect more on the Twin Series and how bad they were and how that might be indicative of how this goes against really good teams. Yeah, we can beat up on these craft teams, but um, I'm concerned about the pitching staff. Giolito with his two-pitch arsenal uh, doesn't seem to be sustainable. And we hear Stone all the You're time wrong. saying, well, he doesn't You're have wrong. his pin-point control, You're and wrong. then we're in trouble. You're wrong. We can only rely on- Joe, you're wrong. If you want to talk about things other than Giolito, we can. But if you're going to uh, go after a guy for a two-pitch arsenal, then then you're not really paying attention. He had like six pitches. He got good when he focused on the two, and then started adding from there. I didn't want. To, I didn't necessarily need to cut him off. You can bring him back if he's still there, Sean. I just don't. He's just wrong yeah, about Giolito, and I don't want to. I don't want to bother to go down your incorrect Giolito path. Right, but what fine. else you got? Okay, that's fine. Maybe Giolito, but uh, what about the remainder? We we can rely on Keiko. Now we've got Dunning, who I like, but he's can't be relied upon. Uh, we've got Cease, and we've got nothing else. Gio Gonzalez is uh, injured, and then we've got. Uh, you can't say Rodon. Rodon's kind of a bum. So where are we going? I mean, how sustainable can this be? We, You know, the Cubs have four starters. They can do a four-man rotation. What are we going to do, a two-man rotation? Can we rely on these new guys? I mean, where are we going to go? Well, thanks, Joe. Is he a White Sox fan? I guess so. Um, but, yeah, the Cubs don't have four starters right now at all, unless you're counting Albert Alzali, who was brutal yesterday. So there, there's there's a lot going on there. I will say this. Your concerns about the back end of the rotation are extremely well-founded. And when you put them up and compare them to some of the great teams around baseball, they have more concerns at the back end of the rotation than most. Dane Dunning has been real good. The other night, Dane Dunning didn't have control for the first time. He's had great control. Didn't the other night. Called it a step forward because he still found a way to fight through and end up um, being a part of a win. Dylan Cease has tremendous stuff and usually does not have control. He's had a little bit more of late. I think three out of his last four starts have been decent in terms of that. But yeah, it's open as to who your pitchers will be in a third and fourth playoff games. Those are concerns, without a doubt. But I'm glad we shut down the Giolito uh, conversation because I've mapped that out many, many times, exactly how that really works. My wife walked in to the Hyundai studios here as we're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And she said, be nice, be nice, Matt. <laughs> Was I nice to Joe at Tinley Park? I brought him back on, right? We, we gave him a chance to make another point. I didn't want him to go too far with a point that just had absolutely no bearing and no place on a, a baseball show here on 670 to score. 
We'll come back and talk about a, a, an underappreciated man in the Cubs bullpen and uh, take a look at, we, at, at what we can and what we can learn about lineups from yesterday. And we're expecting lineups uh, for today for the White Sox and Royals as well. Tom Fornelli on the White Sox at the top of the hour on 670 The Score. KB had had a lot of, uh, like we talked about, innings. And it just, you know, I know coming back from injury and, and all that time off and, and being on your feet a long time, just trying to, trying to look at the big picture. David Ross talking about sitting Chris Bryant in the second game. That second game lineup receiving a lot of consternation on the socials from some Cub fans wondering why Kipnis wasn't in it a second time, wondering why Bryant wasn't in it, wondering where Contreras was in that second lineup where Rizzo was in that second lineup. There's a, it's a 5-1 loss uh, for the Cubs as now the Cardinals are game over 500 and Colin Ray comes out and gives up four earned runs in just his two innings of work and you're basically toast with a lineup that did not really offer much resistance. I'm concerned about Chris Bryant. I'm awfully concerned about him. I don't see the power. Do you guys see it? Like, there's a lot of times. I know I'm bad at seeing fly balls off the bat on television and thinking, oh, man, that's gone. Or that's got a chance. I'm bad at that. I admit. But, man, I'm, I'm not really fooled by much off the bat of Chris Bryant in terms of fly balls. I don't see the power there. I don't see the ball flying off the bat on certain pitches that he's got to dominate. I still see him grinding with those at-bats, having long at-bats. I still see him finishing those at-bats, sometimes with decent contact. But if he doesn't hit the ball out of the park, then the kind of the entire offensive game falls apart at that point. Speaks, I just realized this too. In 12 games, Nick Madrigal has 16 hits. In 20 games, Bryant has 14. Wow. Well, Madrigal's game is contact. And Madrigal is not trying to hit it over anything and out of anything. I'll say this about Madrigal, and I got caught yesterday trying to say spray charts and uh, made the ch uh, kind of into a a softer sound, which was unfortunate for all involved. But Nick Madrigal hits the ball up the middle a lot. They're going to start shading him that way. And then we'll see if he can really be that guy who hits them where they ain't because that's his game to get on. But yeah, 14 hits for Bryant. And uh, just, I'm not seeing the pop, man. I'm not seeing the power as it flies off the bat. So do you make changes? A few weeks ago, I was talking about Javier Baez and maybe potentially moving him down. He seemed to need some kind of shock to the system to stop swinging for the fences on every pitch, to start shortening up a little bit and looking opposite field a little bit more. He's had some games where the power has been there. And he's hit the ball awfully hard with some bad luck a few different times over the past eight to ten games, as you've been watching. So maybe moving Baez down is not the thing. But do you move Chris Bryant down in the order? Brett Taylor and and Michael Cerami over Bleacher Nation wrote a piece today about moving Bryant and Javier Baez down in the order. Is it too late to do such things? No, it's definitely not too late to do such things. 
I'd certainly consider it. Hap should be towards the top. Hayward should probably be towards the top. Although you've seen in, in Hayward's history that sometimes a move up there is not good for him. So maybe you don't want to move Hayward. I would understand that. I'd have no problem moving Nico Horner up, guy who makes a lot of contact these days. If Horner's not playing and Kipnis is, I'd have no problem moving him up there. Baez and Bryant are absolutely killing you and both hitting below 200 and neither getting on at the on-base clip that we're accustomed to. And Bryant's certainly not showing you the power. It is concerning. I had a long conversation the other day with Danny Parkins when I was in for Mac about Bryant and his future and the future of the five, the future of, of the core five guys, the veterans that you know are all coming up for free agency at some point in the next couple of years. And how many of them can you keep? And if I told you the total is two and a half for how many they can keep among Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, and Schwarber, you going over or under on that two and a half? And who are the ones you keep? That, that kind of running list in my mind has changed and evolved a little bit, even over the course of this particular year. Chris Bryant right now is outside that, that list for me. I'm keeping Rizzo and finding a way to do it. And I think that he will work with you to find a way to stay here. Anthony has stepped into a leadership void um, in a way that they've been waiting for. And he and Ross have clicked in that way. And it's Anthony's locker room. In a way that it used to be Ross and Lester's locker room. It's now Anthony's locker room. And then Baez, Contreras, Schwarber, Bryant. Which one of those guys? Contreras, Schwarber, Baez, depending on what the value is. There's, uh, there's, there's concerns and there's a lot to try and figure out amongst those guys. Here's what I know about Bryant. Bryant is going to make more than $20 million a year. He's making 18 right now via arbitration. Depending on what arbitration is next year, he might end up over 20 next year in his final arbitration year. Maybe not if the results stay like this. But eventually he'll sign that free agent deal, whether it is a short one or a long one, and it will be for more than $20 million. How many of those guys can you have? on your team, how many $20 million, how many $20 million players can you have on your team? Right now, the Cubs have three with Bryant at 18. They've got Darvish and Hayward above 20 mil, and those guys will stay for the next couple of years, obviously. Lester is above 20 mil with a team option for next year that will not be picked up. Can you have four? There are three teams in all of baseball who have three, who, excuse me, who have four $20 million players. Three teams in the entire league have four $20 million players. They are the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Angels. All in go-for-it mode, the Angels not doing that well. The Astros holding on to their window, much like the Cubs. The Dodgers charging towards what they need to be their first World Series championship since Kirk Gibson to validate this particular era. But the best team in the game, again, in the regular season. The Yankees only have three. The Yankees have three $20 million players. You know why? Because Aaron Judge is young and under control and making $8.5. $8.5 million for Aaron Judge. 
This texture says, frankly, sir, I don't like thinking about your two and a half over under. They will keep all of them. La, 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 la. Not listening or grounded in reality. No, I apologize, good sir. But two and a half is the number. And if you had to ask me right now, if you had to force me in 2023, how many of those guys are here? I'm going under. Contreras, I think, is signed till 2022. Under control till 2022. But I'll go under on 2023. Of course, that is three years from now. It's 670 to score. It's hit and run. Vita Blue coming up in one hour. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Vita Blue. Man, I'm excited to talk to him. The answer to a phenomenal trivia question that I should have asked you before I told you that Vita Blue is coming up in an hour. Joe Roderick on the Cardinals at about 1040. Tom Fornelli of Right Sox on the White Sox next here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.